You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, welcome back. So all week we've been talking about the forgiveness of sins. We you know, recognize that the forgiveness of sins is the core of the gospel. It's our first step to reconciliation with God, to living the life God wants us to have. And we also recognize that forgiveness of sin is the mission of the church in some ways. We're also supposed to care for the poor, to feed the hungry, to love one another. We're supposed to do a thousand good things. But sort of the starting point, the launching pad you know, for our mission on the earth is that we hold the gospel, which is the key to people being forgiven of their sins, reconciled to God, and being able to join him on his mission to redeem creation. So the church is entrusted with the ministry of forgiveness of sins. We've talked about forgiving each other. Quick reminder here that, you know what, even sometimes if somebody doesn't want to ask for forgiveness, if they won't repent, you still can forgive. And on your end, man, that's that's powerful, even if you're in a tough spot. But today's topic specifically is about moments of public confession or public forgiveness. All right, so if you don't know our church and you just you listen to the podcast because a friend of yours at the church recommended it or, or what have you, I just want to let you get to know us a little bit from a distance. I want you to know that, you know, I mean, we don't have people walking up to the platform on Sunday mornings confessing their sins. So while I'm talking about, you know, public confession, I want you to sort of restrain your imagination a little bit there. Uh, nonetheless, I, I want us to recognize that just as there is a, a healing path to private confession, there are moments when it's judged appropriate, and you have to use wisdom here, when some sense of public confession uh, actually is going to be super helpful in your life. And that public confession, it may be as simple as you sitting down with your family and making a confession. It may be you gathering with a small group of believers that you meet with uh, to voice your confession. Or in some contexts, it really may be you know asking permission to address the church. That would be uh, super sensitive and definitely up to a pastor discretion. You need pastors or elders or wise and godly counsel uh, to help make good decisions about that. But there are moments where public confession can actually be uh, exactly what you need to move forward in your life. And I want to I want to show an example of the scriptures that kind of helped me start to think about this. Okay, so in in Luke's gospel. In chapter 8, Jesus is on his way to heal a young girl uh, who is dying and ultimately does die. But on the way, he meets a woman who has a who has an issue in that she's been bleeding and he heals her but I, but I want you to recognize that there's this moment where he drags her out in front of everybody and has this sort of public uh, public moment so let, I just want to read this this text as Jesus was on his way the crowds almost crushed him and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years but no one could heal her uh, she came up behind him and and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power 
has gone out from me. All right, so I want to pause. Um, I'm unaware of any kind of principle in the ministry of Jesus. There may have been one, but I don't know of any principle in the ministry of Jesus that everybody who sought forgiveness had to be identified clearly or everybody who sought healing, you know, had to be, you know, called out by name or had to ask permission first. I don't know of any principle like that. In fact, I think Jesus might be up to something more than that. All right, so he's in the, in, in the context of a huge crowd. He's being, you know, pressed on every side. People are constantly touching him, but this one wonderful woman touches him with faith on the hem of his garment and receives healing from Jesus. And he thinks it's important to stop and identify her, to not allow her to pass silently. So the first time I read this passage, you know, I just thought, wow, this is really bad manners from Jesus. You know, I thought to myself, you know, Jesus should let her just secretly privately enjoy her healing and slip back through the crowd and not make a real scene. But he, but that's not what he does. And I've learned in the last couple of years, I think, why he did what he did. So let me finish the story. So he said, I know power's going out for me. Who touched me? Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. So she makes this confession. Uh, Now, touching him was not a sin at all. But she makes this confession that she was a woman who had a bleeding issue, that she touched the hem of his garment in faith, and that she had been miraculously healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So here's what I want you to hear. Uh, First, I just want to appreciate the beauty of that address from Jesus where he looks at this woman and he says, daughter. And then where he says to her, your faith has healed you. You know, you you did the right thing touching me. In fact, your faith has healed you. Now go in peace. Okay, but I want to zero in for a moment on what I believe was the motivation for Jesus um, stopping this crowd of people and identifying this woman. I'm sure there were several motivations, but one of the things that I failed to recognize, sort of as a Westerner, where I, you know, I prize individuality, we prize privacy, sometimes secrecy. We certainly don't want our dirty laundry aired out. Um, you know, we read the story and cringe when we imagine ourselves in the in the shoes of this lady. You know, I, mean, I didn't want anybody to call me out today. I didn't want anybody to make me uncomfortable today. You know, in fact, if somebody did this to us in one of our churches, we would say, "I'm going to a different church." You know, I'm just, I'm not, I don't like to be singled out. But there was real power in what Jesus did. All right, so I want to explain that. This woman was known in her village. She had for years battled this issue and she'd been considered ritually unclean in her community. Um, This wasn't, to my knowledge, the result of any kind of sin. It wasn't connected to any kind of a sin. You know, I don't know, I have no knowledge of her ever doing anything wrong that would be connected to to this physical illness that she had. But why this public moment? And for me, the reason for the public moment is if she was allowed to slip back quietly, nobody in the village knows that she's healed. Nobody in the village is assured that she's healed. But Jesus knows that if he will ask her to stop, number one, he'll be glorified for giving the forgiveness, for having the power to heal her. But number two, she actually will have the opportunity to be reassimilated in a healthy way back into a loving and faithful community in her village because 
with her public declaration that I touched you, uh, he's also going to be able to declare to her as she has to get over the threshold of I'm the lady with the bleeding issue, I touched you. He's going to be able to also lead her past that and say, and now you're healed. And so Jesus the Messiah has declared that she's clean, that she's healed. And so starting right then, everybody in the village knows publicly that she's over this issue of, of bleeding, that this, you know, this, this ailment that she had, and that Jesus Christ had declared her uh, clean, which accelerates uh, her ability to be reincorporated into her loving, faithful community, to her family, into her synagogue, uh, into village life. All right, so what does that teach us about public moments of confession? Um, you know, I, I think that there are moments where where we would benefit from public or semi-public moments of confession. For most of us, when we've done something that's disappointed or hurt our family members or friends or believers or our church or our community or whatever, uh, we honestly want to avoid the spotlight. And that's good. That's right. It makes a lot of sense. But assuming that our motivations are healthy and pure and that we're operating in wisdom, I also think there is great freedom and great wisdom in taking the appropriate steps to confess publicly to the appropriate groups. So, for example... Uh, if you've done something that you know you're ashamed of, you 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 know you fell back into a sin and it's become public and everybody knows it, um, well maybe instead of hiding from your Sunday school group or your small group of believers or your accountability friends, uh, who you know just must you know they know about the sin, what would be the power? of confessing to them, like of, of gathering with them to say, listen, I want to say out of my own mouth that I know I sinned and that I've already sought forgiveness in Jesus and I've been forgiven and I'm making an appeal to you uh, to forgive me as well. Like how powerful would that moment be when you no longer have to worry about what they feel, but you've directly addressed the issue and now your community of believers has the opportunity to forgive you publicly and receive you back into the, to the fold and it gives a ton of room for Christ to work inside that community. You know, for him to even take the, you know, the, the repentance and the lessons learned from the sin and make the community healthier, also to make you integrate back into the community, you know, quickly and easily. So I see a, a lot of moments where somebody sins in a sin that affects an entire family or community or whatever, and because we don't want to be exposed publicly, uh, I think it stunts our healing. I think it slows down our reassimilation into the community or the family. Um, and, and I just want to sort of suggest that there are probably moments where more a more public confession. And a lot of times those would just be your family. You know, just a dad sitting at a breakfast table saying, guys, I want to ask everybody to gather around. I need to apologize. You know, I, I have, you know, I know that I didn't do a good job with this last issue or I shouldn't have lost my temper or whatever. And just publicly apologizing and, you know, seeking forgiveness for his family. Or maybe on a larger scale, uh, you relapse into an addiction and, and you know what it's cost to everybody around you. Um, and you just gather that family together and say, listen, I just want to acknowledge my mistake, and, and I want to ask you all to forgive me. I've asked for forgiveness of Jesus, and, and I want to ask you to forgive me. Um, and you can probably imagine a thousand other scenarios, but what I'm suggesting today is that you seek God's wisdom uh, about those moments where a public sin has affected a group, and your healing and forgiveness might be accelerated in that group uh, by a moment of 
semi-public or public confession. Uh, so that's something we don't talk about a lot, but I, I think it's an important concept. I hope you're blessed today as you serve the Lord. Remember that as the church, we believe in the forgiveness of sins. We are stewards of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are the ones who can give the world access to the God who is eager to grant his grace and forgiveness to those who make him Lord. 